And uh, this is our guest speaker this morning, Kent Anderson. Really glad he's here. I've been looking forward to this day for quite some time. Uh, Dr. Kent Anderson, did I say that? I don't know if I said Kent or not, but anyway, Kent is the president of Northwest Baptist Seminary in Langley, British Columbia. And uh, the seminary is a graduate school aimed at providing theological education and preparing uh, leaders for the future. And we are privileged to have him here today. Um, What we have in common is we were both members of Hope Church in Fort Worth, Texas, At one point, Kent, I believe you did your doctorate there, Uh, spent two years, finished his doctorate in almost record time, I understand. I think so. (laughs) So he he was, he missed it by a hair. Uh, But anyway, uh, we've become friends as we've been developing a partnership uh, between the 17.6 Church Network, uh, which I direct, and the seminary he leads. Kent has created an innovative uh, Master of Divinity degree program. It's cutting edge. It's the first of its kind. It's fully accredited by the premier accreditation agency in North America. And um, he is leading the charge in theological education. And from what I understand, uh, other areas of education as well, people are starting to Look in and see what's going on at Northwest. So that's great. Um, Because of our partnership with Northwest, uh, our students here in the Antioch Project can receive uh, a fully accredited Master of Divinity degree. It's an amazing thing that God's put together. Um, And so uh, he, he is here for our first graduation from the Antioch Project this afternoon at 4 o'clock in Huntington Beach, and from Antioch Project Immerse, which is the degree program uh, that he has created. and Our team has created. His team, yes. Yeah. He, he'd like to, that, that's Kent, he'd like yeah, to share the credit. Yeah, yeah, let's see together, yeah. Yeah, I understand you hammered it out with the leader of your denomination there yeah. in British Columbia. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a team. A team other than those two leaders. (laughs) Um, So I'm especially excited to hear Kent this morning. He's written several books on preaching. Don't tell him that. Okay. That's too much pressure. That is a lot of pressure. (laughs) But but I have benefited from the book that I read greatly. It's helped me in my preaching. So, hey, sorry I mentioned it. (laughs) Here you go, bro. (laughs) Well, thanks, Randy. <laughs> Great to be with you this morning, and I'm just so uh, pleased by what this day represents for us at Northwest and for you here uh, in this church and in uh, the network that we are, are serving together for the sake of our, our Lord and his kingdom. We've got six students graduating this afternoon, which is pretty cool. 
You know, I mean, when you think about it, this is, this is a, a group of churches that have got together and kind of have a vision for, for ministry leadership development, kind of understanding a particular way of going about serving the kingdom and, and developed a, a way of developing leaders. And then we kind of came along later and said, hey, you know, we could help you with this. And, and uh, this was really exciting for me because, as Randy said, I had uh, my time at uh, Hope Church there in Fort Worth, along with my family, was incredibly powerful. I, I mean, I was only there a couple of years, but it was transformative for me and for our family. Met good people like Luke's dad and became great friends. We became, and we've continued in friendship for uh, 21 years now. And uh, so now for uh, me to be able to, to bring what our team has to bear uh, in order to bless this movement that's meant so much to me, to give back like this is pretty awesome. So uh, God does amazing things across borders. and I I was telling some folks, this thing that we've developed here, we call it Immerse. It's a a mastery model, competency-based approach to education, contextually developed. So so the outcomes are developed in the context of the church. We, We find gifted people in the church. We build mentor teams around them, and the whole thing... <clears throat> Excuse me. The whole thing is done in context right here uh, under our supervision back at uh, the mothership, so to speak, back in uh, Vancouver area. And it's, it's really amazing. And, and as Randy said, this vision for contextual mastery model education is really catching on. Uh, in fact, we just agreed to a deal with a Korean seminary in Los Angeles, uh, in Koreatown there, World Mission University. And this is amazing because they have connections into mainland China. And the Chinese asked the help of this Korean seminary in Los Angeles to to help develop their leaders in their churches there in China. And the American Koreans asked the Canadians to help them serve the Chinese. (laughs) Isn't that cool? (laughs) And that's how God works. You know, when we're open and, and step into things and don't say no very often, right? <laughs> Keep saying yes and responding to, to the way God leads and calls, amazing things can happen. And this is one of those things. We've got six people who've been spending years you know, digging into Scripture, understanding leadership, trying, learning by doing with real people, you know, live ammunition, so to speak. <laughs> You know, in the real trenches with people. And uh, now they're graduating and ready to serve uh, in even more profound ways. And it's just a, it's just a thrill. I, I bring the greetings of my whole team back in Canada. And uh, we're, it's been our delight to work with, with all of you uh, down here. But I didn't come so much this morning to talk about that. I came to, I was asked to preach. And uh, I do that sometimes. So I'd like to take you to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And verse 14. We're going to focus particularly on something that uh, I will notice in verse 16, but uh, we'll back it up just a little bit. Verse 14 says, As for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it. And... How from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
All Scripture, all of it, all Scripture is God-breathed. And is useful, therefore, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> let's, give, let's take some time to think about uh, what that has to say for us. And we might need some help. So, so let's ask the Lord to, to come, Lord, and, uh, and just encourage us this morning by your word and by your spirit. We've, we've already sensed your encouragement uh, through the time we've spent singing together, uh, your praise, uh, the, these songs that remind us of your presence and uh, your blessing to us, your goodness to us. Uh, and now, Lord, we, as we open this text, we, we ask that you would teach us by your Spirit something that's going to transform us, uh, even here in this moment. So we pray for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is that, that time in a service where we quit singing and somebody like me gets up and just says a lot of words. Like words. I'm just going to pile them up. Words upon words upon words. It's going to take a little bit of time. And, and I'm just going to give you a lot of words. And uh, that's what we do, right? Not inspiring. <laughs> I mean, we need words, right? Like, like, if we don't have words, we don't communicate. Like, like how, do, how do you know what's going on in my head? How do I know? Like, unless we can talk. You've got to have words, right? You've got to have language. Language is the means by which we pretty much get everything done. Like you've got to talk, you've got to, you've got to communicate, but it's tough because words are slippery little things. Right? And they can mean different things in different contexts. I could say a word over here, and, and it might mean something entirely different than if I said it over here. You know, I could say a word to, to you, and it might mean something different if I was to use that same word to you. Like it, it's, it's hard, I, but it's what we've got, right? I, I like books. Do you like books? Do you remember books? <laughs> I've got a lot of them, you know, thousands probably, uh, and they all have words in them, lots of words, you know, hundreds of thousands of words. Like in the aggregate, I was trying to do the math last night on the airplane. I probably got like hundreds of millions of words locked away on pages inside covers Right now, actually, they're all sitting inside boxes in a storage unit for most of them because uh, we're waiting for our, our new place to be built. And, and I can just imagine all these words inside their box in the dark, you know, saying, let me out, let me out. I've got something to tell you, a story, some truth to offer, these words, you know. I mean, what are they? They're just, they're just little markings on pages, right? Like hieroglyphic symbols, pretty much useless to anybody who doesn't know the code, who doesn't know how to interpret, how to read, how to understand. It's like the tree that falls in the forest with nobody there to hear it. Right? And you know, the tree that falls in the forest, when there's nobody there to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. You understand that, right? Because sound requires an ear to register, right? Otherwise, it's just waves, right? Like, so I suppose the tree falls and it makes waves, but until there's something to receive it, like the sound doesn't register. 
So, you know, Randy said I'd, I'd, I'd written some books, and, and I have. So, so, yeah, you write a book, and you put it out there. But until somebody picks it up and takes the time to actually read it, like, it's not a whole lot of good, is it? Okay. I, I, I've been reading, I started this book um, a month and a half ago. Or not, sorry, a week and a half ago. I started reading it, and i got to tell you, it was tough. It was, I, I wasn't that invested to begin with. It's a novel, and, you know, I'm, I realized I'm like 20 pages into this thing. I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea who these people are, and I don't care. Because <laughs> <laughs> right? it's, just, it's just words. Right? Like I said, okay, if I'm going to put this time in, if I'm going to invest in this book, I actually have to, like, figure out who these people are and why it matters. And, and so I went back and started over and kind of tried to dig in a little bit because... Because words, until they become alive, they're not a whole lot of, they don't offer a whole lot of value. There is a word, a better word, a living word that stands above all the other words. An eternal word. The word of God. That lives and moves and has its way among us. Which is the word I want to talk about for a few minutes here this morning. Verse 15, it describes the Holy Scriptures. The the word of God. Which is able to make us wise for salvation. Able to offer us truth that would lead to the actual eternal salvation of our souls, which sounds pretty consequential. <laughs> Through faith in Christ Jesus. And it says in verse 16 that all of this scripture, all of these words, all of this scripture is, is God-breathed. Inspired. Breathed by God. And as a result, it's useful to us for a bunch of different things. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training so that we may be properly equipped, thoroughly equipped for everything there is that God might expect of us. That's pretty awesome. Well, okay, I didn't do a PowerPoint here. Randy asked me if I wanted to do PowerPoint. I thought, no, this this is going to be just really simple. Okay, so, so you'll follow this. There's, there's going to be three things, and they're not complicated. First one is, that we're going to notice here from the beginning of verse 16, is that God breathes. God breathes. All scripture is God breathed. That means he breathes, which is another way of saying he lives. Right? We've got a God who lives. And breathes. And has, now, I understand. I understand that's an anthropomorphism. It's a, it's a way of, of ascribing human uh, stuff to, to a, a God who is spirit. But it's a God who lives. That's the thing. We're not just talking here about uh, a concept, you know, a, a set of principles or ideas. We're not just talking about some kind of force, you know, with all due respect to the Star Wars fans among us. We're talking about a God 
who lives and breathes, right? You know, Sherlock Holmes will, or Hercule Poirot, or one of these folks, will, will, will walk up to the body and, and stick a mirror you know, underneath the, the mouth or the nose of the victim. Why? To, to, to see if they're breathing. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how you can tell if you're alive. You breathe. Scriptures breathe by God, which first thing you got to recognize is that means we got a God who lives and who acts among us, who has intention. For the fact that he, he uh, is described in this human way as one who breathes suggests that, that, that he has intention in this world that he's created. There's something going on here. There's a purpose. He, he breathes. He lives. He has purpose. Okay? So God breathes. Second thing, God breathes life into his word. God breathes life into his word. So, so God breathes. That, that means that he lives. God breathes life into his word, which suggests to us that his word lives. This isn't just a book like any other book. This book is, in a very real sense, alive. Hebrews 4 suggests that the the Word of God is is alive, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it, It breathes. It has intention. It lives because it represents the very nature of God, the purpose of God. The person of God is all mediated by means of his word. So, um, you know, when I was a kid, sometimes we'd, you know, this might still happen to some degree, uh, but I remember as a kid sometimes hearing some weird things about how you're supposed to treat a Bible. And by that I mean the actual, like, physical book, like with the leather cover and stuff, and the maps in the back. I don't actually have any maps in the back of this one. That might be a problem. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, like, like we were taught that, that, for instance, you took care of this, but like you, you, you kind of, you would never put this on the bottom of a stack of other books, right? Because it's the Bible. It's got to be revered. It's got to, it's, it's got to be on top of the stack of other books, right? Any of you learned that? <laughs> well, now we don't know what to do with that because, like, a lot of us, you know, our Bibles are like digital. We don't even need paper anymore, right? I'm not sure what to do about that. But that's the thing, right? Like, it's not the book that we're concerned about. It's not the pages. It's not, like, this one has really nice, flimsy pages. You know? There's a lot of pages, so I guess they're thin so that it doesn't have to be so bulky or something like that. But it's not... It's, it's not the pages. It's not the book. It's not the cover. It's the life that this represents. It's the God that, that this text mediates and offers to us. See, here's another way we mess this up. We sometimes think that, that the book is simply a, a, a repository of principles and uh, truth statements 
and that all we have to do is just, just read it really, 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 really carefully and make sure we understand all of the ideas exactly, and then we're good. Well, yeah, that's good, and that's part of it. But there's something deeper going on here. There's something more profound than just understanding ideas. This is about meeting the person of God himself. This thing is breathed by him. It represents his very life and being. It is, it, it, it's more than just a set of ideas. It brings us into his very presence himself and introduces the person of God to us by means of his word. God breathes, means he's alive. God breathes life into his word, which means his word is alive. Third thing, God breathes life into his people by his word. God breathes his life into his people by means of his word. Isn't that cool? God, God breathes means he lives. God breathes life into his word means his word lives. God breathes life into his people by his word. It means what? We live. We live. With the very breath of God to sustain us forever. Pretty awesome. See, it goes on and it talks about some of the practical and technical uh, ways by which the scriptures help us. I mean, it's, it, it, the fact that this thing is breathed by God, that, that means it's useful, obviously. Useful for a number of things, for teaching, yeah, because we need instruction. Like we need to learn things about God and about his way and about his will. So, so instruction matters. So teaching for rebuking, because sometimes we need our tail kicked. <laughs> sometimes we're, we're, we're messed up. We're not thinking straight. We've, we've, we've got it wrong. Or we've chosen wrong. Right? We've, we've rebelled. We've, we, we thought we've known a better way, a different angle that's going to work better for us. And we need to be rebuked, not just instructed. We need to actually be stopped in our tracks and, 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 and turned around. We need to be corrected, the text says, right? So this is good. Uh, teaching, rebuking, correct. We need to be trained. I was on a walk with my wife yesterday, and we saw a little kid learning to ride a bicycle. He's probably like five years old, and his parents were trying to help him you know, figure out how to ride this thing. They were training him you know, to do something awesome. And, and this is part of what the scripture does for us. All of these things, it makes us wise for salvation. It develops our faith in Jesus Christ. It trains us. It rebukes us. It corrects us. It, all of these are good, good things. They're all powerful for us in, in helping form us into the people that God intends us to be. 
so that we can uh, know him, the God who breathes his life into us by his word. God breathes, he lives. He breathes life into his word, his word lives. He breathes life into his people as we expose ourselves to the word and allow it to form us by his spirit. In the beginning, take this all the way back. In the beginning was the word. Remember that? John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word was with God in the beginning. What's he talking about? What's John talking about in that verse? Do you remember? Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Read on in the chapter, verse 14. Jesus, the word become flesh. Who dwelt among us. I always think that's really fascinating. A word that becomes flesh. Right? I mean, think of words. We were talking at the beginning about, you know, what are they? Hieroglyphic symbols that you have to learn the code in order to interpret, you know, like, like ink marks on a page, you know, digital impulses on a screen. <laughs> words. But this is a word, the word, which became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the word that was with God at the beginning. The preeminent word, the first word, the foundational word, the creative word that was there at the very beginning. Came and became flesh among us. Jesus, when he came to the earth, he, 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 one of his names was the Word. And he came and he, and he lived among us to, to teach us, to show God to us. And when that day came and he went up on that cross and he breathed his last, he accomplished something for us. It has made all the difference. Because here's the thing. It's a big book. There's a lot of words. A lot of stuff. Uh, you know, our students that are graduating this have, have spent years, you know, just like really trying to understand it. And really digging into it. That's a lot of work. Right? <laughs> a lot of work. There's a lot of stuff here to, to know. Right? A lot of stuff here to understand, to be trained in, to be instructed by. A lot of rebuke in here, a lot of correction, a lot of training, all of that. And, and we will fail it. <laughs> like, it's just too much. Isn't that? Like, if we're going to do, like, I don't know, just like some Bible knowledge quiz right here, you could ask me a question and despite my PhD, despite my years in ministry, despite the fact that I'm standing here, I might not know the answer. You, know. you might ask me about some principle, and I may have an idea, and I may get it not quite right. You know what I'm trying to say? I, I, you may go beyond that. You may actually examine my life. I trust you'll be gracious 
Because you're going to see some things in there that I'm not proud of. You're going to to see some things that require rebuke. I'm going to fail it. Because I'm human. Ask my wife. Good thing she's not here. That's why it's so cool that Jesus, the Word become flesh, the Word who was with God at the beginning, who, who was God at the very foundation of time, went to that cross and took care of my business and yours so that I could be forgiven, and so that all the times that I fail, the, the life that God has offered me through his word, I, I can rest in his grace. And uh, That's pretty awesome. You might want to do that one. Take, take a big, deep breath. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord gave us that breath. And it's by His grace that we're allowed to take another one. You know, and able to, to live with Him and, and walk with Him and understand Him and fail Him and be forgiven and continue on. Yeah. Back, back at the very, very beginning when God created Adam, Remember what he did? Remember? He, he, he took dirt and, and, and you know, formed like clay, this human being. And, you know, what, what did he do with that lump of dirt? Do you remember? He breathed into it. And, and we as human beings were animated by the very breath of God. How cool is that? We live because the breath of God has brought us into life. It's incredible. They say, I read this, I don't understand this, I'm not a scientist enough, but I've read that scientists are able now to understand a whole lot about you if they can capture your breath kind of like DNA or fingerprints or something like that. It's like a fingerprint. They can, they can tell something. Now, this would be great for law enforcement if the fact that breath didn't dissipate so quickly. So, so, so I'm not sure how much use this is. But the scientists probably know. But when, when God breathed into that dirt, he put his very being. Read on in Genesis 1. It describes the fact that we are created in God's image. Like There's something about the way we were created that actually bears the stamp of God himself. His very breath. And so when we read this book, when we study it, when we seek to understand, when we seek to allow by the Spirit of God this, this book to shape us, to form us, 
to make us who we are. When we do that, we are taking within us the very breath of God himself, which is consistent with the breath by which he animated us in creation. You see what I'm saying? So, so take this. and don't Please, read it. But don't just read it. Fill yourself with it. Let it inflate you. What a great word. You know, I think of it like a like a, a balloon lying lifeless. Inflated by the very breath of God Himself by means of His Word. Take it in. Breathe it in. Great gulps of it. Like the breath you would take after some great exertion. Some long run. Some... This verse that I've just read many, many years ago, it was established as the theme verse of the seminary that I lead now. And so it's become important for me to, to think about it carefully. And as I said, we're, we're thrilled that, that we've got graduates uh, here this afternoon and, and some others uh, who, who hope to graduate soon uh, who are here today. And I just want to remind our students and, and on all of you together here today. God breathes. He lives. Not just some idea, not just some concept, not just some principle. He is a God who lives. And he has breathed his life into this word. And as we take that word and inhale it, We take his very breath and find that life for ourselves, which will transform us and make us everything he's called us to be. So yeah, read it, ponder it, think about it, study it, understand it, mess with it. As you do, understand that this is, this is introducing you not just to ideas about God. This is bringing you into relationship with God himself by his grace and by his spirit and through his word. The worship team is going to come up here and and help us respond. Uh, But let's pray together. Lord, uh, sometimes our words seem inadequate. Uh, I just feel sometimes like blah, blah, blah. One more word on top of another word on top of another. It just, just feels sometimes like we're blabbering. Uh, words can, can lose their meaning until they... I'm not even sure why we're using them sometimes.
the words we read, the words we share with each other. And yet, you, in a, in a very interesting way, chose to describe yourself as the Word. Uh, suggest to us that, that you represent a body of knowledge. That you do represent concepts and ideas that we need to master. Principles by which we need to form ourselves. Lord, we're encouraged to understand that this is not just a, a, a conceptual thing, a disembodied thing. This is a word that became flesh and dwelt among us, and by it we have seen your glory. So, Lord, we ask that you would make yourself known to us by your word. That every day as we open it up, seek to understand it, seek to be trained by it, corrected by it, rebuked by it. That this would not just be a mechanical, instructional function, but that this would be a relational act. This would be as, become as, as deep and important to us as breathing. That as we breathe in your word that we would breathe in your very breath your life that will sustain us and transform us and make us the people that you've intended for us to be because we know by that the kingdom will come the world will be changed and you will be glorified and it is for that that we live. Lord, I want to pray a special word this morning for those who have studied and who've been faithful and who are graduating. And for those others who are anticipating such, I want to thank you for them and the investment that they've made in your word and in your church. I want to ask that you're going to do something amazing in them and through them for your glory and for the benefit of many, many people. And Lord, we pray that this will just be the start for them, for the ministries that you give them, for this church and its leaders and its people. Lord, before I step down, I want to, I want to pray a special prayer for Pastor Randy and ask that you'll just continue to encourage him and his whole team. I don't know everybody's name on the team, but we just, we just want to ask that you'll fill them with life and power by your word. So that this lighthouse here in the valley would be a place where people increasingly come to know you and trust you, be formed by your breath, your word, for the sake of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.